Before we get started, the rest of the day is going to be specifically on the ALPI Assessment Toolkit. And um, there's two parts to the toolkit, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. One is an, an adult learner inventory, and that is a student survey. And as Diana mentioned, that was co-developed with Noel Levitz. The second piece is the Institutional Self-Assessment Survey, and that is like a self-study for you. Um, one of the things, before we get going, I just want to address the schedule. I know we're a little bit off right now. We were supposed to take a break about four minutes ago, and I think we've already <laughs> taken our break, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I see lunch is, is being served, and if we, lunch is currently scheduled for 12.50, and that may be too long, but if we can just sort of push forward a little bit, and we can take lunch when it seems like it's a good time. And then, um, if it's all okay with you, depending on how we're doing in terms of our discussions and presentations, um, maybe uh, shorten our lunch for maybe 20 minutes to just give us a little bit more time in the afternoon, if that's all right. Okay. Um, for, so for the rest of the day, what, what I'm going to try to do first is give you an overview of you know, what are these ALFI assessment tools, how do they work, what kind of data do you get from them. Then what we're going to do is loop back around and look specifically at the administration of each section of these tools for you here. So you can start doing your planning, start thinking about who needs to be involved, what are the issues you need to address, how are you going to get students interested in, in um, responding to your survey. So um, let me just talk a little bit about the, the ALPI assessment toolkit. And just to let you know, this computer has a blank screen, and it's hooked up back here. So I'm going to try to do this, but I might have to move, um, so bear with me. Um, so let me start with the, the adult learner inventory. Um, the ALI, for short, focuses on seven of the eight principles. Um, what we, what's not included is the strategic partnership principle. And that specifically, we, we tried long and hard to figure out how we could assess adult learners about how the strategic partnerships between their employer and their institution, um, how they could respond to that, and it, it, it wasn't working. So that, we've done seven um, principles and the transition scale. Um, and these, this survey is designed to capture the experience of adult learners in undergraduate programs, specifically. Um, how many of you are familiar with Noel Levitt's surveys? Just a few of you. Um, Noel Levitt's student surveys, and they have quite a few for different populations, they ask um, students to indicate on each item there's a statement, and then how important that is to them, and then how satisfied they are that the institution is meeting that expectation. And each item is rated on a scale from one to seven. So, if you look specifically, the important scores are asking how important it is for your program to meet the expectation, and then how satisfied are you that this program is meeting that expectation. Now this is scored, so they give a score on each one, and then the gap between the importance and the satisfaction is the indicator on their perception of their experience here. So for example, if they have a very high importance um, score and a very low satisfaction score, that's something you might need to look at. 
if it's the, the gap is very small, then that is probably something that you're doing well and that they, they appreciate your efforts in that area. One of the things um, this slide says, the discrepancy between the expectation and the reality. And I was looking at this this morning, I'm like, it's really not the reality. It's their student perception, okay? The reality may be different than their perception, but then some could also argue that perception is reality. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's some, when we get into this further, there are some issues that you can say, well, they're saying that we're not doing this well, but we've got X, Y, and Z. So there may be some need to be some exploration as to why they don't know that, or maybe that they do know that, but there's something kind of off. So there's there's some ways to plumb the depths around the information that you're you're getting. So this matrix is just a visual aid for seeing how your scores would look. Obviously, if you are having if something's very important and they're very satisfied as institutional strengths, those are things that you want to promote both internally and externally. Then if the institutional challenges are areas where students are saying it's very important and they're very dissatisfied. Um, the bottom part, if it's, they're dissatisfied and it's not important, doesn't really matter. Neither does it matter if they're very satisfied and it's unimportant. So it's those top two quadrants that you want to be taking a look at. This is a chart. Um, which I just want to give you a brief um, introduction to. It's a, a look at the national results. Now, every institution would get a chart that looks similar to this. This is um, all of the students that have used the adult learner inventory at the time, this was um, a little while ago, combined all their scores together. So these are, I can't remember, um, 20, 30 odd institutions of their students all lumped together. Um, the first column is the, the scale or the principal. The second column is the um, importance score. So if you look at this one, outreach is high and adult learning, um, uh, assessing learning outcomes is the lower one. Um, the next column is the satisfaction scores. Outreach again is high and then there's um, adult uh, assessing learning outcomes and the uh, life and career planning is tied. And then the last column is the gap scores. And if you look at there, you see technology and assessing learning outcomes is, um, is small and life and career planning is quite large. It's, it's above and beyond all the rest of the scores. So if this were a single institution, that is an area that they would probably want to take a look at. In how does that the performance gap work? Because I'm looking at all those and saying, gee, they're all high. Um, I mean, is it that what's a good and what's a bad mm -hmm. performance gap, mm -hmm. I guess I'm asking? Mm -hmm. um, or what's acceptable? Look, yeah, we can what's... definitely get into this in detail okay. if you get your scores, but just quickly. When you have, as I mentioned, when you've got something that really sticks out, like like, like in career planning, that's pretty obvious. Okay. The other ones is that you want to look at um, the upper quartile between um, satisfaction and importance. And that's something that once you have all of the the, um, the items from each one of these scales you can parse out. So there's a formula that you can use to say, okay, these are the ones, these are, this, uh, this score and above is something we should be looking at. Okay. So there, there is a formula for that. It's interesting though, uh, 
Jean said that they all look large to me. I was kind of surprised at how small. <laughs> I was looking at the 0.05 gap, you know. And also, when you get your scores, they'll um, they'll be a guide in terms of which of the scores are, st are statistically significant as well. This is just a basic overview to just kind of give up yeah. Yeah. big perceptions every yeah. single week. Yeah, right. <laughs> I imagine this, you said this is overall data for 30-some schools, so when you give back the institution its own scores, you give them the benchmark data as well. Right. So that would be something to measure. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, you will see how what your scars are compared to. <clears throat> so let's say, I mean, by some miracle, the national that, that we have 0.1 for the assessment <laughs> of learning outcomes point versus 0.73, then we would know that's not really a priority for us. We can uh, key in first on mm -hmm. some of the other ones. Okay. No, Were you gonna follow up on that? No, go ahead. Okay, I, the other thing I noticed is that there's a performance gap for all of them. Right. Is there sort of a built-in prejudice that when people fill out these surveys, they say, okay, this is going to be important to me, and I automatically know that the satisfaction is going to be lower? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, for each one of these scales, there are a number of items from the survey. So it, it brings all these, say, it's seven items, and they're brought together into one of the scales. So when you think about it, it would be, it's highly unlikely that students would give a, the best positive response to seven items that make up a scale. They might say it's, it's okay, they might say it's good, but they would have to say it's, it's excellent in all seven items that make up that scale in order to not have a gap at all. And one of the things that I want to point out, I probably should have started off in this, is that these LP assessment toolkit, it really should be seen as this effort as um, continuous improvement. It's not we've arrived or we've got the best score in this over all the schools that have been using it, so we're done, let's go to lunch. Yeah. You know, it it's really should be seen as something that no matter what your scores are, there's something that you need to be looking at in some area where you can improve. Any other questions on this slide? Okay, um, let me just quickly go to the Institutional Self-Assessment Survey. And, and this is um, it's a template for you to honestly and reflectively examine your resources in light of the principles. And it works best as um, a wider effort to identify um, areas of strength and challenge for, as I said, continuous improvement. And uh, if you have a program review or accreditation coming up, um, a lot of the schools that have used this have fed this information into that effort as well. Um, just in general, it's completed by an institutional team, and I have a sneaking suspicion that they are in this room, at least most if not all of them. Um, it's made up of 57 items with some supplemental pages. Now, this notebook is your ISAS, Institutional Self-Assessment Survey. Um, you'll see that there are some instructions at the beginning and then there's, um, there are pages to follow our survey. If you flip to the very back, you'll see supplemental pages. And the supplemental pages 
there are some questions that if you say that your students have this experience all the time or frequently or you're picking the high end of the scale, Kayla's going to ask you to um, describe what you're doing. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is we want to learn about best practices. So we can wait for Kale to, to get some information about what's happening out there at colleges and universities using these tools. But also, it's an, a way for you to facilitate dialogue within your own group. So if you're saying that you're doing something that is, that is on the high end of the scale there, um, we want you to have a dialogue about what you're doing right. And you may find that there are some areas that some people think we're, we're there, we're done, we've got this all um, wrapped up. Whereas some other people in your team, or once you investigate it some more, something might be there, but it's not quite where it needs to be. Now let me give you an example. The real powerful thing about this survey is, is in the dialogue that you have as a team and in the information gathering that you might have to do outside of this team to complete the survey. Um, one of the institutions that have used the survey just in the conversations that they were having to complete the survey, they noticed that their career services, although they had things in place, weren't necessarily designed for mid-career or career changer people in, who are adult learners and where they might be in their whole career experience. So even just that conversation, before they even got any results back, they started working on, on changing that so that they were more responsive to adult learners. So that's just one of the ways that the, the supplemental pages sort of just kind of push at you. Um, the Alfie assessment, uh, excuse me, the principles of effectiveness for serving adult learners are, are put in these categories here that you see on the slide. Um, so the self-assessment is arranged in these particular categories. So they'll be at answering, um, responding to questions in all of these, um, these categories. Now when you get the institutional self-assessment survey and the adult learner inventory and you put them together, what you'll end up is with is um, internal data. So it's your perception of what you're doing here versus your adult learner's perception of their experience here. Then there's external data, which we talked about before. That's your perception, your student's perception versus what the, nas the national data says. So and that's where you can see, you know, how do, we, how do we kind of sit with the rest of the institutions that have used this, this information. Now one of the things that was surprising to us when we started to um, check in on the institutions that have used um, this tool early on um, and we start saying, well, what's what's valuable to you about this in terms of, of um, in terms of how you relate to the, the data that you receive? And you know, there's a lot of things that, that came out of it. But one of the things that we had expected is that the um, the institutional strengths would be used for public relations outside of the university. You know, X Y Z university does this great. But what we found is that it was used very often internally. So that generally the continuing education arm, the adult learner unit, has in many institutions, perhaps not here, sort of a stepchild 
relationship to the rest of the university. And this gave them an opportunity to say, we are really doing some innovative and creative and, str and strong things for our adult learners here. And that gave them clout within their own institution. So this is, I think I need to get up for this one. <laughs> this is a chart of an actual university. It compares their adult learner inventory scores with their institutional self-assessment survey scores. So um, the red on each of these bars, well, here are the principles down here. This is before we had added the transition scale. The red is the, is the institutional self-assessment survey mean score for each one. The blue is the importance score, and the green is the satisfaction score. Interesting. Okay? For each one. It's a lot of data right there. So um, you can see that the gap, when we talked about the gap between importance and satisfaction, that's the difference between the blue and the green across here. Okay? So any just first observations about this? I mean, we could spend hours on this, but just quick. Well, it's real obvious that the institution is much harder on itself Definitely. than the students. Right. Yeah. That's right. And that's fairly consistent? We find that all the time, but frequently. Frequently. Hmm. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Anything, any other observations? I just, uh, is this current undergraduate adult learning and degree programs? Is that, is right. that what you stated? Right. If, if not students that have stepped out or students, no. former students. So really the dissatisfied student that didn't come back for the next semester is missing. That's correct. That's correct. And I have to say we've, we've had many and long conversations about how do you use this instrument to try to bring in that population, the population that's left, it's very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. And this, this particular instrument does not capture that. I did find interesting in the, the slide you had up earlier about the importance um, satisfaction that um, learning outcomes had the least level of importance to students. Yeah, yeah. And, isn't that it? Yeah. 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 That's because yeah. Give me the credential. Yeah, and let me say something about that that um that adult the uh, assessing learning outcomes because that was it had a small gap, but it was the least important. And that's another thing to look at when you when you look at your scores. The question is when. Students tell you that something that is not important that you think they, it should be important to them, um, that may be an indication that you need to start educating them as to why they should think something is important. And exactly that happened with one of the institutions that used this. They had a low um, importance score around their, uh, their um, assessing learning outcomes. And this was a big time assessing learning outcome place. I mean, this is kind of how they organized their curriculum. And so they were like, wait, <laughs> this is no good. So that was one of the things that they, even though the gap was small, 
that was a, an alarm bell for them that they needed to start educating their student body as to why they needed to care about the learning outcomes. And I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, well, let me just, I'd like to tell you a story about one of uh, this institution um, on one of these things. Um, if you notice that the finance here, and this comes, this graph, this information here comes in, a, in quite a different number of shapes and forms in the, in the information you get back, so this is not the only way to look at it. But you notice that the finance is the highest, the red bar across, so that's the institutional perspective. The largest gap between the green and the blue is in finance. So you have the institution saying that this is one of the strongest things that we do. And you have the students saying, this is the area that we're most dissatisfied in terms of what's important to us. So what was great to interview the people um, at this university about is that they felt that the finance people were really thinking that they did quite a good job with their adult students. Their frontline staff knew that that was not the case because they were getting a lot of grousing and complaints. Um, their bursar's office was dubbed the repo man by their adult <laughs> 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 There might be some problems there. <laughs> but when they were able to get this data and with the, the people who had actually filled out the survey looking at the, what the students had said, and then they could get some dialogue going and okay, they're, they're, we are serving our traditional students well, but there's obviously some things that aren't working well for our adult students. What happened here is that the institution eventually hired a financial aid and student accounts counselor whose responsibility was to shepherd adult learners through the financial aid system, but through also the finance system, you know, their, um, in terms of paying tuition and, and any other glitches, billing that they ran, third-party payments, those types of things. They also ran seminars on adult, for adult learners on, um, on their own financing and educated their faculty because, as you know, faculty can often be the frontline information source for students and who don't really know where to go or where to turn. So that was the response to this, this particular institution. That leads me to a question. In terms of looking at the, who fills out the institutional portion of, of the survey, do you have any recommendations from others that have done that in terms of how they, who they involve in the institutional survey portion? Yes, yes, and we're gonna to get to that on this afternoon. What I wanna do here is just Give, this is just a quick overview in terms of what both pieces are, and then we're going to loop around, and that's exactly what we're going to do this afternoon. This is a quick question on this before we move on. This is a, a static snapshot in time. Um, have you gone back and done a post evaluation, or you know, um, once you, you share this with the institution and they implement some changes, do you do a trend? Um, analysis for them? In terms of what, in terms of them re-administering it, see how their scores have changed, or yeah. is that what you mean? Um, there are some <coughs> institutions that have used this um, several times. I don't think that we've done an analysis on how their scores have changed. Now they use the data internally, but we as an organization have not done that. We have probably still in single digits, I would say, institutions that have re-administered it for a second time. So they time. do it on um, We have one that's about to do it for the third time. 
and then you know they've been using that data to measure their progress on the on the uh, principles where they decided to you know really do some in-depth work on to see to measure whether the their adult learners have indicated that they've improved, you know, in that in that scale. But we, I think, the data pool at this point is really pretty small to do any kind of useful analysis about tracking change. But we'll we'll be there. What we have done is is um, anecdotal, calling people up, saying, mm -hmm. interviewing them about what kind of changes they've made and what kind of impact that they see. But it, it's not the same as looking at the data again. Yeah. How much time elapsed between the time, the repeat survey for well, that one institution? The institution that's about to do the third um, interval or the third assessment has done them two years apart. Okay. So they were in the initial pilot and they readministered it two years later and now they're going to do it. And that's, you know, that's built into their, their organizational improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And then I think there have been some of the others, it's been between two and three years mm -hmm. um, between administrations. Okay. 